It's Thursday, June 21st, and this is The Daily Dive. President Trump has stepped in and signed an executive order that will end family separations at the border. Unfortunately, it might come under legal scrutiny, it doesn't address children who have already been separated from their families, and the big one, we are still waiting for Congress to act on broader immigration bills. My producer Miranda fills us in on the executive order and the cost of housing all these families. We're also getting more news about the next media mega merger. 21st Century Fox has agreed to a new offer from Disney to buy some of their prized assets. We'll speak to Keech Hagee, reporter for The Wall Street Journal, for more details on the merger and whether it will put them in a better position to compete with their latest threat, Netflix. Finally, a new avocado is hitting the market. A longer lasting avocado is launching in Costco. These new avocados are coated with a plant-derived additive that doubles its shelf life. We'll speak to Vanessa Wong, BuzzFeed business reporter, for more on this new avocado coming from the Delray Avocado Company and tech startup Appeal Sciences. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. We're keeping families together and this will solve that problem. At the same time, we are keeping a very powerful border and it continues to be a zero tolerance. Joining me now is my producer, Miranda Moreno. After weeks of saying that the administration would like to keep families together at the border, but they had no choice but to separate families, President Trump signed an executive order to keep these children with their parents. The executive order has been called affording Congress an opportunity to address family separation. He's still giving Congress that chance to step in with a larger immigration bill. Specifically, what does this executive order do? It doesn't require Trump to stop separating families from the border. So that's first to note. It'll probably end the wide-scale family separation, but there will still be children taken from their parents. Yeah, it depends. There's always certain situations where they have to be taken away, but largely people that come as a family unit will not be separated anymore. Right. So primarily, here's what it does. It allows people to be prosecuted for illegal entry without being sent into the custody of the Department of Justice. So this will allow the parents to stay with their kids. The whole family will be kept in custody until both the criminal case against the parents and the immigration case against the family are completed. This isn't counting when they do asylum because it's going to be the same situation. If they're seeking asylum, that'll take weeks or months. The next thing is the Trump administration will direct the Department of Justice, who run the immigration courts, to prioritize the immigration cases of detained families. So people traveling with children will get priority over people just traveling single or with adults. And this is going to raise concern about due process. And this is also going to result in other immigration cases being pushed back even further. A lot of people are not happy with that because it's reshuffling, uh, you know, the order that you got here and it could cause a bunch of problems. Yeah, it's not first come, first serve. Yeah. It's kids first. Right. So it's also going to use other departments, including the military, to actually house the migrant families. And we'll go into where they're scouting these locations in a bit. But ICE doesn't have enough room for all the adults it's keeping in their structures. And now they're going to try to add almost 2,000 kids on top of it. So to accommodate this, they're going to have the military and other departments provide space and facilities for these families. And then lastly, it's going to tell Jeff Sessions to ask the courts to change their mind and declare family detention to be legal. And what's interesting about this is the Flores Act, which puts limits on how long children can be detained. Right. This is a potential legal fight. Under the Flores Act, children are not allowed to be kept in detention for more than 20 days. As you just mentioned, these things could take a couple months or longer for these things to get processed. So that's going to be a potential pitfall right there. 
Let's get into how much it actually costs because it is not cheap to keep children separated and kept in facilities or with their parents. It's still not cheap either way. It's incredibly expensive. The cost of holding these migrant children separated from their parents in what they're calling these new created tent cities is $775 per person per night. And this is according to officials at the Department of Health and Human Services. It's way more expensive than the cost of just keeping the kids with their parents in the detention centers or holding them in other like actual real buildings. A big reason for the high cost is that it's the urgency of the situation. You need to bring in security, air conditioning, medical workers, other government contractors. So basically, since you need to start these places up from scratch, you need to supply the personnel from scratch. So that's why it's so expensive. Yeah. Compare that 775 per night per kid for these 10 cities, whereas it would cost $256 per person per night in one of the more permanent facilities. At this rate, to operate a 400-bed temporary structure for one month at capacity would cost more than $5 million. And the average stay for separated kids is nearly two months. So you're looking at a high price point there. HHS says they're still holding about 12,000 immigrant children. They say mostly that consists of kids that came by themselves. They did not come with parents. And they stay in these facilities for 57 days on average before they're sent to live with a relative or place in foster care. And that actually leads to another point with this executive order that the president signed. This is for families that are coming still. This doesn't address kids that have already been separated from their family. They still have to go through the normal process, which takes a long time for reunification. Where are they looking at? They're looking at a a few different areas to house them. Some potential sites for, I guess, detainee use, if you want to call it that. Uh, They're looking at three military bases in Texas and one in Arkansas. Those are legitimate facilities. They can hold a wide amount of people and facilitate medical care, food, all kinds of stuff. Finally, later on today, the House will be voting on a pair of bills. The fate of those bills is in high question right now. There's a conservative bill and then there's something they're calling a compromise bill. I've heard that the conservative bill is non-starter. No one's really going to go for that. But what about this compromise bill? Well, they're both kind of non-starters. Essentially, President Trump was supposed to convince the GOP to vote one way or the other on Tuesday evening, and he wasn't able to. He said that He doesn't care which one they want to vote for. He'll sign whatever they put in front of him. And Christian Nielsen and Jeff Sessions both echoed that thing. Just give him something you guys decide and he will sign whatever you give him. So Paul Ryan is bussing people in who have been undecided to go meet with President Trump, meet with Christian Nielsen and Jeff Sessions to try to figure it out and get it together. The compromise bill does address the DACA kids and conservatives are saying that they don't want to vote for it because they don't want to vote for something that's viewed as amnesty. Right. This is more the more conservative bunch of the Republicans. So it's a tough situation. And as you said, the president didn't really endorse either bill more strongly than the other. So they don't know what they're doing. There is a lack of leadership on that front. And even the executive order today, like I said, it's called affording Congress an opportunity to address family separation. He's still punting it to Congress to do something on a larger immigration bill to help solve this problem. It's a conversation that's still going to keep going and we'll see what's going to happen. This is not going to slow down anytime soon. Uh, Thank you, Miranda, for joining us. Thank you, Oscar. Spooked is an understatement. I was speaking to a a CEO not that long ago who basically said he was lying on the floor in horror over Netflix earnings recently because they were so amazing. Joining us now is Keech Hagee. 
She's a Wall Street Journal reporter. So we might be seeing the next big mega merger after AT&T and Time Warner. 21st Century Fox has agreed to a higher offer from Disney to buy a bunch of their assets. What was in the new offer? So the assets that were on the table are the same ones that have been there for a few months now. So we're talking about the Fox Film Studio, some of Fox's cable networks like National Geographic Channel and FX, and some international assets like Sky, the broadcaster in the UK, and Star India. And what is the new offer? I know they uh, made a significantly higher offer than what Comcast was trying to give them. Yes. So the new offer is both more money and a different mix. It is more than $70 billion, which is significantly higher than just the equity value of what Comcast had. And it's a mix of cash and stock. And when it comes to Fox shareholders and especially the Murdoch family, that's especially important because the Murdochs have owned Fox stock for a long time. If they sell it for cash, they have to pay a lot of capital gains. And so they have a big incentive to sell for stock, which is tax free. Now, the boards have agreed to this deal. Shareholders still need to agree. And then there's a few regulatory hurdles, but it seems like this one might be the right answer, like it's going to go through? Well, I do think that the door is still very much open for Comcast to come back. And it's entirely possible, likely even, that Comcast will come back with another offer themselves. I don't know if this bidding war is totally over. That said, the Disney sweetened bid was pretty substantial. So I'm sure that Fox shareholders, if this was the last thing they got, would still be very happy. All these mergers are an effort to fight against Netflix. Uh, They're calling it the direct-to-consumer business model. They want to buy up all these assets so that they can provide, especially Disney wants to provide a, a, a new streaming service with a lot of you know movies and shows and content so they can compete on the same level as Netflix. That's right. And one of the most interesting things that happened, I thought, was Disney CEO Bob Iger got on the phone and said, part of the reason we sweetened this bid is because in the last six months since we did our original bid, the value of of the Fox uh, assets for this direct-to-consumer future that we see has only gone up. So we realized that you know this is only more important. It's not just Netflix, right? It's also Google and Facebook and a-, a lot of these big tech companies that the Murdochs have said in the old version of Fox, they just couldn't compete. Hulu specifically features heavily in this because everybody owns a piece of them. And if this goes through, I, Disney would own about 60% of it now? Hulu has been somewhat hamstrung over the years by its ownership structure. Basically, all but one of the big broadcast networks owns a piece of it. Time Warner owns a piece of it. I think it would be strategically helpful for for Hulu to have one clear owner. This is basically the traditional media industry's hedge against Netflix. It was a way for them to fight back against Netflix, a place for them to sell their content and have you know another bidder, basically, for their studio stuff. But Hulu's made some great waves, right? And The Handmaid's Tale got a lot of accolades. I think the future could be very bright for Hulu under a, a Disney ownership. Are these traditional media companies spooked by Netflix and their, their structure, their business model? Spooked is an understatement. I was speaking to a, a CEO not that long ago who basically said he was lying on the floor in horror over Netflix earnings recently because they were so amazing. This was such a threat to their fundamental business. There is consolidation going on throughout the traditional media industry for this reason. 
they really feel like they need to put all their content together so they have more negotiating leverage and they can fight back against Netflix, which is really a global behemoth at this point. Disney specifically is pulling a lot of their content from Netflix. They're getting ready for their own service. More direct competition there. Some analysts say, though, that that's not the way to necessarily tackle the Netflix problem. There's been some skepticism out there. As one analyst pointed out, why do you need to buy more content when Netflix hasn't bought any? I mean, Netflix hasn't bought a studio. They just go shopping in the marketplace for shows and films, and they seem to be doing very well doing that. So there's certainly a you know, devil's advocate argument about that. The other thing that's happened is that media is a mature business. And so when businesses mature, especially the traditional media business, which has been fueled by pay TV, cable bills, when the cord starts to be cut, consolidation becomes necessary. You have a new book coming out called The King of Content about Sumner Redstone and Viacom and CBS. When is that coming out? What is it about? It's coming out next Tuesday, June 26th, and it is a multi-generational biography of of Sumner Redstone, who is a controlling shareholder of Viacom and CBS, and it's a lot also about his daughter, Sherry Redstone, who is now really in charge of those assets, and that's its own crazy battle royale happening this year. Hopefully, uh, it can give some insight into that family and their motivations and history. That's great. Do you have a website for it set up? It's just my name, www.keechhagey.com. Perfect. Keech Hagey, Wall Street Journal reporter. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. The causes of fresh produce spoilage are universal. They're water evaporating out of the produce and oxygen getting in. And so what we've done with our products is develop ways that we can create this barrier on the outside of fresh produce that slows down the rate that the produce is losing moisture relative to the rate that oxygen gets in. And the result is that we can prevent the causes of spoilage not treating the symptoms. Joining us now is Vanessa Wong, business reporter for BuzzFeed covering the food industry. I'm really excited about this story. I'm a, I'm a big time foodie and I saw this headline. And avocado lover. Right, exactly. <laughs> and I saw this and right away I was like, oh my God, I, we need to talk about this. There's this new avocado. There's a company behind it, right? But there's this new avocado <laughs> launching in a lot of Costco's across the country. And it doesn't deteriorate as fast as a, a usual avocado, an untreated avocado. What That's is the right. name of this? What's the company behind it? Tell us everything about this. The science company behind this is called Appeal, and they basically developed this powder made of plant materials that they send to produce companies, like, for example, a company that ships out avocados, and they can mix it with water and mist it onto their fruits and vegetables to extend their shelf life. And the goal of doing this is to reduce food waste, which is a huge problem. So much of the food we produce, especially in America, is thrown away due to spoilage. So this additive that they created creates sort of like a protective shield around the avocado so it doesn't lose moisture and oxidate as quickly, which is kind of cool because as the uh, CEO of the company explained to me, the ripening speed of an avocado is so mysterious. So it's like really hard to (laughs) get. like eat your avocado when it's at its peak ripeness. Finally, some good news. (laughs) Right. I used to work in a supermarket when I was very young and avocados were always one of those tricky things. Obviously, they all kind of ripen at different times and they get bruised easily. So they were always 
really tricky to handle. These avocados, in conjunction with the Appeal Company, are coming out of Delray Avocado Company, and they're selling them at Costco. A bag of five avocados is $5, which is an amazing price. I remember avocado prices spiking for a little while, and this is right in line. A dollar an avocado is a pretty good price, and if they're not going to spoil as fast, that's awesome. There's a caveat to all of this, which is, If you buy an avocado and it's not quite ripe yet, it will take longer to ripen than you're used to. (laughs) If you're used to like having it sit on the counter for like a day or two, based on the firmness you detect, expect that to be two to three times as long because this coating will extend the shelf life by two to three times by slowing down that ripening pace. Yeah, I've seen a couple pictures of avocados and even some other fruits after 30 days An untreated avocado looks all gross and nasty. And these appeal avocados still look really good. They haven't deteriorated at all, it looks like. Yeah, they're all like, you know, slump, reptilian. So that's really nice. (laughs) (laughs) There's obviously a market for this. There's others that have been trying to solve this type of problem. I know in your article, you talked about a UK grocery chain that was testing new plastic packaging Food scientists are like on the problem, guys. So in the UK, a chain called Tesco recently launched a new plastic packaging for their avocados that extends the shelf life two days, which is like pretty good. The problem with a lot of consumers was this plastic bag was neither recyclable nor compostable. So while it was possibly addressing some food waste, it was creating other sorts of waste. You mentioned that this powder is made from uh, fats and found in the peels seeds, pulp of other different kinds of fruits. Have they tested this stuff on other fruits and vegetables beyond avocados? Is it working for everything? Or This is uh, Appeal's first product on the market. So, you know, I don't think anyone really knows how well it's gone for some of the other products they've tested it on, but they've tried like strawberries, blueberries, mangoes, oranges, lemons, limes, vegetables like asparagus, leafy greens. They say it works. It works on everything, but they decide to launch with an avocado I saw some video of this CEO who's only 33, he's such a young guy. He was talking about how it targets the cause of food spoilage rather than the symptoms. And it's just a great way to look at it. it this powder, this little film that it adds to it, helps with uh, the water content being lost and uh, the way oxygen and carbon dioxide work with the, the skin of the fruit or vegetable, or in this case, the avocado. So it's just a great thing and, and, and a great effort to try to handle the food waste, as you said. Fresh fruit and vegetables account for about 40% of wasted food in the U.S., and it's a huge problem. We're constantly throwing things away, and it's just an amazing uh, goal to be working towards. Around the world, trillions of dollars of food are wasted every year. So it's a problem that some companies are trying to address, and it's also attracted attention from investors. Um, So Appeal has attracted about $40 million in funding to date. So, you know, that's no small change. Right. And the uh, big backers behind them, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, um, gave them a lot of their funding. That's right. That's right. I've seen tomatoes could be next. Citrus and asparagus might be the next products that they throw to the market. I'm pretty excited. I kind of want to get my hands on some of these avocados. And and I just want to do the test. I want to see how long it's going to last in in my house. It all comes down to the test, right? Like, how does it feel? How does it work? You know, will we just be like staring frustratedly at our our avocados (laughs) while they take a week to ripen? Or (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. All right. Vanessa Wong, BuzzFeed business reporter. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks so much.
All right, that's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on Twitter and Daily Dive Podcast on Facebook. We love the feedback, so don't forget to leave us a comment and give us a rating. Follow The Daily Dive on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The Daily Dive is produced by Miranda Moreno and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this was your Daily Dive. Daily Dive.